Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Good morning, buddy. How We're back you? again. It's a podcast Wednesday. Got a double dose of Jewel and Julie today. Yes, we're very excited. We've been trying to tee this up. I, I don't know how long it's been since we've been loosely talking, Julie, but it feels like a long time. But uh, thank you for joining us. Now, first of all, we've been seeing on Instagram that your husband's not been well. So give us the update. I heard there's some happy news and he's home now. Yes, yes. he. Uh, they found some tumors on his kidney. Um, they took it out with a robot uh, and uh, didn't have to remove his whole kidney, so I'm happy about that. And we're just waiting for pathology and see what the next steps are. Awesome. But um, it does look like they caught it early enough, so I, I think we're going to be in the clear in a week. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, yeah, I, I was glad to see that you came yeah. home. How's your week been, buddy? Have you been busy? Yes, I have been. Um, don't ask me what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, every day feels the same to be honest with you. I, I don't. I can't even differentiate the weekends from the weekdays anymore because they're kind of much of a muchness to be honest. It's admin emails, podcast stuff, yeah, family stuff. webinar this week as webinar well. Webinar this, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's good though. It's busy, but I can't believe it's September. I know it's, it's crazy. It's it's mental. But you know what's interesting is that uh, we're coming to you. Well, not live, but recorded from Julie's cupboard. We're looking at all <laughs> the amazing. So anyone that's uh, watching this, well, there'll be some YouTube clips of this in the future. But we're uh, looking at. I, I said to Jake. I mean, maybe I'm showing my age, but I thought we were in like a Melda Marcos's. Cupboard. She's the <laughs> former prime minister of the Philippines who had was known for a shoe fetish. Well, there's yes. a skull in, in this cupboard her. as well. I yes, totally remember her. Uh, yeah, I think maybe I modeled her as a kid. You know, yes. uh, yeah, I'd like to know how many she had, and then I'll count mine, and then we'll compare yeah, yes. um, illnesses. <laughs> <laughs> do you wear all those shoes, or they? I mean, how, do you I do you have them on rotation? Do. Like, how do you get through them I all? Have I have worn every single one of these shoes that I, I love shoes. Uh, they're the one thing, no matter how much you weigh, they're going to fit. So, <laughs> <laughs> and my weight has gone up and down 30 pounds up and 30 pounds down my whole life. So, uh, that's why I just saved my shoes. I, they're just, I, they're fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fantastic. And I dress my clothes to match my shoes, of course. Right. So, so yeah. how many do you think you have? You haven't counted them before? God, no, I haven't. No, there's a ton, guys. Mm -hmm. That Julie gave. It's it's not just a cupboard. It sort of branches <laughs> it's a out into it's it's different a whole, wings. It's a whole wing of it. Yeah, uh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole vibe. That's Jeez. awesome. I love it in here. But this is a one room that the dogs don't come and um, you know whine and you know get on get on me. I love my dogs, but um, they can be annoying um, in the middle of a live podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, look, Julia, I'd like to introduce you properly. Yes. We, we sort of did that very casually. So, 
you know, probably one of the best known nurse injectors around. You've got a massive Instagram account. You've been injecting since I think 2001. Tons of experience, but introduce yourself to our listeners who maybe are new to sort of your your profile and and tell us all yeah. about you. Oh, great. Well, I'm a small town girl. Uh, I, I'm a truck driver's daughter. I really just um, have been addicted to people my entire life. Uh, people are my drug of choice, you know? So uh, I feel like I started out in medicine as a, as a, uh, a surgical technologist handing instruments and surgery, um, which was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, um, a lot of anatomy. That was great, but I didn't really have any patient connection. Uh, so, uh, when I think it was 1998, uh, I noticed that laser hair removal came out and that was exciting to me. So, and I had like literally a little goatee. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a lot of, (laughs) that's my inspiration for starting the company is I was like, I can't be the only one with gin hair. So, uh, anyway, I pitched the idea to my brand new husband. We just got married. And he loved the idea and we wanted to have kids. So I thought, hey, this is a flexible job. You know, the OR is not very flexible. So I thought this would be a good business to start. So I literally entered nursing school um, uh, that year, uh, got married that year, 1999. It was a huge year for me um, because I got married. I, I got pregnant with my first son. I started the business uh, and it was just, oh, and I started nursing school. So it was it was absolutely exciting and incredible, but really pretty scary because you know back then laser was something Austin Power talked about with sharks <laughs> on, on their freaking laser <laughs> laser beam heads, right? Uh, so people were afraid of laser back then, and uh, so it was you know my business was very slow getting started, and that was okay because I was in nursing school and I was pregnant. Uh, but yeah, I remember I hired a nurse friend of mine to do it until I graduated. Uh, and then I finally graduated, uh, and it was, uh, again, very slow. I think it was about five years before we ever saw any black. Uh, we were in the red for the first five years, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I did it. And then, I don't know, I just think this field of medicine is super exciting because it's always changing. And looking back at, at the start and how... I, I did it. I think I was pretty lucky and that I got to learn one thing at a time, right? Laser hair removal, then tattoo removal, then um, collagen, injecting collagen, um, which nobody does anymore. It's coming <laughs> back. Because it lasted about 10 the minutes, The trend's coming right? back, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I was so excited when wrestling came out because uh, 2004, I finally felt like I was good enough at collagen and, and wanted to start that. Oh my gosh, game changer. Yeah. Mm. And uh, started with lips and nasolabial folds, which now we know is a very dangerous place. Uh, so my why is people. Um, I, I, the patients really, really inspire me um, and just lift me up. And now I'm not seeing patients anymore. I'm only teaching full time. Mm. So I feel like uh, my team is, is, is my primary source and, um, my Patreon subscribers and people that I teach through, um, Allergan or Galderma palette. Those are all, those people are now, you know, feeding my, my drug, my drug addiction, which is people. So it's just fun, you know, um, 
I yeah. just love my career. Yeah. I know we normally leave business questions to later on in the discussion, but I'm going to invert that today. Because um, you started talking about being in, in the red for quite a period of time. And five years yeah. is quite a long time not to be yeah. making money out Good of a business. Good thing I was married to a surgeon. Yeah, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of So pe- it's funny. He yeah. supported me. He supported yeah. me very early on for years, and now I'm supporting him because he's retired. So it's fair. There you We're go, We're balancing right? it out. So <laughs> ha- there's a lot of people listening to this who are starting their own businesses or early stages of their, of their own clinics. And it's a question that comes up a lot. I do, I do a lot of consulting work for, for nurses and doctors on, on the business side of things. And it's a conversation that comes up is, how to mentally overcome the stress and the anxiety of starting a business, waiting for it to become profitable. You know, you said you were lucky enough to be married to someone that was able to support you. But how do you sort of mentally go through that? How do you have, the, especially back then, have the, the courage and the foresight to believe that this is eventually going to turn and this is going to become a career that's going to be sustainable and provide you with an income to provide for your family? Because it, it is stressful. Right. And, and I think it's probably a whole lot different now mm. um, because the, the advantages of starting your business now are that it's mainstream, that mm-hmm. everybody's talking about it. It's not taboo. Um, it's not somebody's dirty little secret, right? So that's different and exciting. But I think the disadvantages for somebody starting now is that they have a quite a saturated market. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like Starbucks now, right? There's there's a medical spa in every corner. However, there are plenty of wrinkles to go around. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, if you set yourself off uh, aside, if you kind of set yourself apart from other people by saying exactly who you are from the beginning, you will attract those patients that that gel with you. And and I think learning how to retain patients, um, it goes really, really, really far. Uh, and I did joke about being supported by my husband, but it was a different time. You know, mm. um, I think starting out now, I would use social media to show how serious I am about this field. And uh, I would show my personality so that I would draw people that we would be a mutual benefit to each other. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to draw people that don't respect or value what um, what I could do for them, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think a lot of people make that mistake in the beginning. They'll do discounts. Um, they'll they'll sell syringes or units instead of their what they can do. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge mistake. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I would advise them is is be yourself. Don't discount yourself and plunge every bit of yourself into the business. You know, uh, I always say don't read novels anymore. Just listen to them as you're going to sleep. Um, just read journals, read anything you can get your hands on from respected sources and learn from respected colleagues. Uh, and, you know, just really, really dive into it yeah. and you'll be successful. It's, it's, it's a really good point about being yourself because when I look at social media, there's a lot of, it's a sea of sameness a lot of the time. Like I can't often tell one person's account from another because you're seeing the same kind of imagery, the same kind of content. And I I don't know whether that's people being afraid to be themselves because they're worried that they're going to alienate themselves and not understanding the concept of 
attracting patients that suit your personality, suit what you deem as appropriate treatment outcomes, the aesthetic that you're trying to create. And so do you have any advice for, for people on, I guess, finding the courage to, to sort of put themselves out there and be themselves? Because that's something that you've done quite well. Like I think you're obviously a very skilled injector. You know what you're talking about. But what has probably drawn people to you initially is who you are, the way you, you sort of come across attracting people that vibe with with your energy and, and the sort of things that you say and what you stand for. So how do, how would yeah. you sort of, you know, if you're advising your daughter or someone that came to you as, as a mentee and said, hey, Julie, tell me how to find myself. How do I find that point of difference that will separate me from all the other injectors out there? Because clinical outcomes, I think, are just an expectation. Like when you go to, you know, a lawyer or an accountant, you expect they're going to be able to do, you know, your legal or your accounting work you know, but it's going to be how you connect with that professional and do they understand you and are you on the same page? So yeah, long-winded question, but ha- yeah, how, how would you advise people to, to find that courage and to find their voice? It's funny because um, I just had this conversation with my son. Yeah. He's 21 and he wants to go into this field of medicine. Uh, he's a senior in his undergrad right now. And just like me, he um, is naturally born shy. So I think, and I was very painfully shy um, until I was about 31. Uh, So it's something that's harder, I think, for shy people or people that constantly in their head have what do other people think going around and they're swirling around in their head, you know, and that's how I used to be uh, for years. I mean, in 31, I finally got my S together and got some confidence. um, And I think my husband is the reason that happened for me. Um, so I'm trying to get that instilled into my son's head now um, while he's 21, right? I want him to be 10 years ahead of me on this one because uh, I didn't really get together with his dad till I was 31. Or I like to say 30 wonderful. So <laughs> <laughs> so he's 20 wonderful and uh, he, I think he's getting it. I think I think he's finally grabbing that confidence. And I just say, Hey, you know what, when you're on social media, when you're on your YouTube, just pretend that screen is your best friend and, and behave and say things that you would say to your best friend. Uh, because you can be yourself around your best friend, right? You, you just can, you they're going to love you no matter what. So you have to sort of pretend like I'm pretending right now that everybody that listens to this or watches it is, is my best friend. Because if I start getting in that that circular thinking of haters or of jealous people or people that don't believe a nurse uh, or a nurse practitioner should be injecting, if I start getting in that cycle, I'm not going to be myself and I'm going to be very self-conscious and I won't say, you know, squeeze out an F word once in a while. Mm. Um, I'm just not going to be myself, you know, Uh, but that's who I am. And, and if they don't like who you are, then fine. You don't want to attract those people anyway. And you don't want them in your office. You don't want to inject people that don't like the true you. And, and I hate that. I hate when people say, Oh, Julie, I'm too old. Uh, to be in this business. I'm too um, short. I'm, my hair is not like everybody else's. Well, just like you said, do you want to be in a sea of sameness or do you want to let your hair be what you want your hair to be, you know, or, you know, not be. Uh, but it's, that's not the important thing. Uh, I think standing out by being yourself is brilliant. Mm. Yeah, it's good, good advice. advice. I, I have to say, I think we've 
taken that own advice on our own journey of the podcast. We started not knowing what we were going to put out and who's listening and we had no freaking idea and we would I felt like we would constantly sort of seek affirmation by asking people and doing surveys what do you want to hear and what what do you think's working and then we sort of found mm. our groove and we we just realized we should just do what we're doing because it's working. Yeah. yeah. If we enjoy the conversations and and we're interested in the people we're talking to then hopefully we'll attract people that feel the same way rather than trying to, you know, yeah. appease because you're never going to make everyone happy, right? Because you're just going to end up getting exhausted from acting all the time because it's not it's not sustainable. And then, as you said, yeah. you're attracting people that maybe you don't like. They don't really like you. And it's... It, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, and I don't think we've ever said this on the podcast, we've had one or two that irritated people not lots of people but a minority of people got irritated by one or two of our podcasts and i think we have the conviction to go with it to believe in in, in what we're doing and just you know we can't please everyone and, and 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 that's what you're saying you can't please everyone but if you put out your own energy you will find your tribe i think that's what you're saying julie yeah and i think speaking your truth and having the courage to speak your truth you know even if your truth isn't isn't really um, very popular with other people, you know, I mean, just pick any debate, right? Um, like, um, you know, whether you aspirate with a stationary needle or move it back and forth, but that's the, <laughs> the newest one, one today, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like I said my piece and, um, if somebody is nasty to me, then, oh, well, you know, it, it shouldn't be, they shouldn't get their emotions up. This is, should be a, a very professional, um, thoughtful discussion rather than, you know, getting your hackles up and, you know, I don't know. I'm too old to let my curly hair stand on end. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not going to play any games, but I'm just going to say what I think. And I think that I want to listen to what other people think because we're all, we all learn when we are having discussions together, but we certainly don't need to be mean about it and snarky about it. And, you know, we shouldn't be biting back like a little chihuahua, you know. (laughs) That's a good point, actually. And, and, you know, we're referencing yesterday's post by um, Professor Sebastian Cotofana. So, This will be out in a few weeks, so it'll be old history by then. But I guess it's good to get into this. Like if you stick your neck out on social media with whatever thought that you have, and you've got a big account, Julie, you you know, you're going to get some trolls. You're going to get some hate. (laughs) You're going to get those snappy chihuahuas. So how do you deal with that? Because it's very hard to to not sometimes take it personally. Even though that you know what you're saying is from, you know, it's probably true and it's from from a good place. You always get that negativity. So what do you think is appropriate to talk about on social media and maybe what's not? Because I I think that we're in a place now where just everything is dumped on social media. Maybe some of it shouldn't be there, Hmm. particularly these sort of really academic um, questions and debates. I know it's good to debate and stimulate that argument, but sometimes it just gets out of hand and just polarizes. So that's one reason why we do this podcast mm. to actually have a proper in-depth talk without all of that noise uh, and the keyboard mm-hmm. warriors. But w- w- what do you think? Like, how do you, firstly, how do you handle with the negativity, and what do you think is appropriate to actually talk about? Well, I usually, if I don't know them, it's a clear troll account. I just, um, you know, restrict and delete and move on, uh, block them if they're really nasty. Mm. Uh, cause I don't want them around, you know, it's just like, a you know, a little buzzy gnat. I, they're annoying and you just don't want to be around it. Um, and it's probably somebody with a really terrible life. Um, I say a little silent prayer for them and move <laughs> on, you know, 
uh, or a competitor. I need a hug. <laughs> yeah. They probably need a lot, right? Uh, they need something. Mm. Um, but if their need is to uh, keyboard courage um, bully me, then they can, you know, they could be restricted and blocked and say, la rah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but if it's a colleague who is being disrespectful to me, I will reach out to them you know, somebody that I respect and I'll have a conversation with them. Yeah. Uh, and it's happened before where a colleague has kind of gotten a little bit heated. Um, and I just called them up and, and said, Hey, you know, so let's talk about this. Mm. Uh, I didn't mean to make you angry with my, you know, with my theory. Uh, let's just talk. And I respect you. And I come from a place of respect with that. Um, and it, and it, you know, it's really nice to do. Yeah, you know, work it out. But if it's just some troll, yeah, don't even bother. Yeah, it's a good tactic. Um, you, you've also got a big Patreon account, and maybe we'll get more into that later. But like, I get the impression that you share some of your Patreon on the Instagram and vice versa because it's good content, right? But do you think mm-hmm. um, that there's a danger that sometimes you're you're giving access to stuff that maybe you don't know who's watching or who's listening? Um, for example, yeah, you know, because it's not I, ring fenced, yeah. right? Yeah, that's why I don't put it like on a um, direct free access uh, to YouTube uh, or, you know, or even a Vimeo that, that the public could see uh, because uh, there's there's more and more do-it-yourself um, yes. injections happening. Um, so that's why I took everything I had off of Instagram and off of Patreon. I mean, sorry, off of YouTube and put it on Patreon because um, now I have some control over it and I can... Um, go in and, you know, check the credentials and, um, you know, do a questionnaire and they can, you know, write in their license and things like that. Um, is there somebody who could cheat the system? Yeah, um, probably. Mm. And I, and if they do, at least I have done my due diligence to, to say that anybody who's, who's going to be in the injector tiers, um, has to send me their license and prove that they're actually legal. Yeah. Fair enough. I feel like you've turned this one upside down. We went know, straight to business. That's, that's I, I said, I'm, I'm all disorientated. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wheel us back to your early career, Julie, because you know we, we sort of know you as super experienced, and and the assumption from all the injectors who follow you is that you just you know you know everything. But obviously, it started somewhere. So, who who taught you, and and what was your early injecting sort of career like? Did you like all injectors have that terror where you were too scared, or maybe in those days when we didn't even talk about VOs, you you didn't have that fear? So just sort of take us twenty years back or more. Oh boy, yeah. So my husband is an ENT facial plastic, uh, and he's the one that taught me Botox uh, before, way before it got FDA approved. He taught me how to do that. Um, he came from LA and came up to the small town of Redding, California, where we worked together. So he taught me when I was in nursing school about how Botox worked and how to do it. Uh, I used to follow him around and, and watch him because there'd be, he'd put it in a vocal cord. There'd be some left. Uh, <laughs> so he, yeah, literally the recovery room nurses were the happy nurses in that whole hospital because they had no wrinkles, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's how I learned Botox. And then, you know, when I got my nursing license and started, uh, he taught me how to inject collagen, Cosmoderm, Cosmoplast. Uh, and then he taught, then when wrestling came out, literally the rep taught me how to inject lips and nasolabial folds with Restylane. The rep. 
Uh, so Alicia Merlo, thank you. <laughs> my first teacher. Uh, she's fabulous. I still see her at meetings. Uh, but yeah, I, I, we had to learn things very much the hard way. Uh, I didn't really know about vascular occlusions until 2009. Mm. So that means I was literally injecting hyaluronic acid filler. Let's see, how many years is that? Four, five years. I was injecting hyaluronic, Restylane and Juvederm Ultra. I was injecting both of those for five years and didn't, nobody ever talked about a vascular occlusion. Nobody. Um, We talked about infections and and all of that. And my husband, you know, in theory, he said, yeah, you know, don't get into a blood vessel. That's about as far, because we thought it'd be one in a million. We really did. I mean, we did not know anything. Uh, And then I had a patient come in and showed me a picture of the tip of his nose that he had put rest. Somebody put Restylane in the tip of his nose post rhinoplasty. And he showed me that the nose skin fell off. That was the first time I ever knew that that could happen. Mm. Uh, And that was in 2009. And then in 2010, um, I looked in the mirror when um, somebody was injecting me on my cheeks, I looked in the mirror and saw white, white blanching all over the v2 area and and that is the first time i saw it in real life was in the mirror that's terrifying uh so yeah it was really terrifying but i was really lucky because my husband was down the hall and he knew what to do right you know he said we have to heat this up um chew this aspirin and on and on and on right so he took it you know he he got care pretty much right away what, what did it feel like? Uh, we've spoken about vascular occlusions, but I don't think we've had anyone on here that's actually had one themselves. How did it feel? Like what was going through your mind? I mean, obviously you understood what was happening. A lot of people who were in the treatment chair that have this happen don't know what's going on. So what, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What, what was the sensation and how did you sort of deal with that? Well, it didn't hurt. First of all, that uh, that's a misnomer. A lot of people think it always hurts and pain is one of the vital signs, but honestly, um, you know, my, sadly my, it was calcium hydroxyl appetite, mm. um, mm. also known as radius. Yep. And my injector, uh, mixed it with lidocaine with epi. Right? right. So we would never do that today. Um, I hope, uh, but what if it's because it got into my artery, um, I, I never felt any pain, probably because there was a ton of lidocaine in there. Uh, and secondly, it, it didn't hurt until it was just blanched. I mean, very blanched. And 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 anyway, and so I, my first reaction was, oh my god, this is just like that patient's nose. It's blocked. My blood flow is blocked. And that was my first reaction. And then my injector said. Remember, Julie, I mixed it with Lido with Epi. That's just the Epi. So I was happy to pretty much grab her hand and walk down the road of denial with her. <laughs> uh, and I did. I let her just keep injecting. She did the, the right side of my face afterward. And um, I just let her keep injecting me. And then I noticed it went from white to a dusky blue Mm. at about a half hour later. And that's when that feeling in my stomach started happening. And I felt like I was going to throw up and I thought, this is it. This is it. This is what happens. This is what's going on. And 
that's when I ran down the hall and said to my husband, is this a vascular occlusion? And he just looked at me and he goes, yes, sit down. We have work to do. Um, and then I freaked out. Then I got scared. Um, I was calling local plastic surgeons just to confirm. Um, nobody's ever seen it before. Gosh, Jory and I even flew down to LA and, and nobody had ever seen it before. So it was just a crazy time of nobody knowing what the heck to do about it. Right. And then so... But it all turned out fine. Okay. So you started... So obviously, first of all, when you're talking about epi, you're talking about adrenaline, right? So just yes. for people that aren't medical that might listen to this. Epinephrine. Yeah. yeah. And then adrenaline. so it goes dusky blue. Jory says we've After got work. White. Yeah. So yeah. you've ne- injected mm-hmm. calcium hydroxyapatate, which is not dissolvable. So what, yeah. what, what actually, you started chewing aspirin, then, then what happened? So uh, he ordered me nitropaste. Uh, we didn't have it in the office. Uh, we ordered, we talked to some friends who have a DME company and they ordered um, nasal cannula tank oxygen, um, heat, massage. Um, I pretty much, I, I canceled the rest of my day. Um, heat, massage, went home, slept with the oxygen tank. Uh, um, you know, cried. Um, it was just really scary. Uh, and then I got, he brought me home the nitropaste from the pharmacy and that night I put it on and it was so painful. That's the first time I felt pain. It felt like somebody took a blowtorch to my, Mm. to my cheek. Um, it was incredibly painful, burned so badly. So I only did that once. Um, but I never did that again. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, it, it necrosed, um, uh, my skin sloughed off. Uh, I am fortunate in that, you know, I'm a pretty healthy person who never smoked. Um, I'm not a big, big drinker. Um, so I think that just being a healthy person helped. Um, but yeah, I see people that are using nicotine that they don't heal so well after these kind of injuries. So I, I do think that's something that, that the reason I don't have any scarring mm. today. So it didn't actually get unblocked. It sounds like you just had no, the, the tissue just died. Never got unblocked. The collaterals mm-hmm. eventually sort of resupplied that tissue, I guess. That's that's terrible. I, I yeah. don't know if I missed in your story what, what area of the face and what technique was done. Oh. Yeah, it was, um, you know, the infraorbital artery, so the whole V2 area. Right. Uh, so um, it was pretty much up to my eyelid, my nose, um, upper lip, uh, my gums and my teeth yeah. were uh, affected on the upper left-hand quadrant of my gums. Um, and then it kind of petered down about like that. So the area was... Wow. Um, yeah, the you know from the my lower eyelid to my upper lip, uh, not the lip tissue, but the ergotrid, yeah, um, nasal, yeah. That Just is cheek. pretty scary. And Anterior so, how long, medial region. How long was the healing process? And you know, did you have any laser treatments after? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, we had uh, three months of it looking like a slab of pizza on my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, three months of little kids, um, pointing at me and saying, what happened to your face? That was really hard. You know, what do you do about that? You, I, I would just tear up and try to act like I wasn't tearing up, you know? Mm. Um, 
three months of working and injecting people and then looking at me like, is that going to happen to me? <laughs> you know. Um, but I did. I just went to work and, and told them what happened. I put it on Facebook. I put it on Real Self. I wanted people to know that this can happen. Um, and yeah, maybe it, some people didn't come to me because they, they were scared, but that's okay. It's okay to have... I just want them to have that information. Um, you know, there's a lot of rumors around our small town that I had a bad batch of Botox or something. And mm. you know how people don't know anything, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's like the excuse so for everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a new COVID outbreak. Oh, it's bo- It's caused by, it's a batch, it's a bad batch of Botox. It's yeah. like it gets the blame for everything that goes wrong in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it does so many good things for us, yeah. and it gets all the blame. Yeah. And so, by the way, yeah, I, I don't think know. I've uh, ever ever heard of a confirmed case of a bad batch. No, I, 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 I've heard it thrown around many, many, many times, and I've never actually heard of it actually being a thing. So, yeah. well, it's always the counterfeit stuff, you know. It's well, the counterfeit stuff that doesn't get measured that gets pumped yeah. into somebody because they ordered it on Amazon. Yeah, um, that's the stuff that causes all the trouble. Or, or people don't know how to inject properly. Yeah, uh, but also <laughs> yeah, if, if you look into the manufacturing process of all of these toxins, forget just Botox. It's so highly regulated and so meticulously done, and countless safety checks. It, it, uh, nothing's impossible, but I would find it hard to believe that it could probably, happen. Probably got more chance of winning lottery. Yeah, well, um, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so tell me, Julie, this this VO experience that scared the shit out of you. How did that impact you moving forward as an injector? How did it change your practice? Oh, did it man. change the way you consult? Did it? Did yeah? It, everything. Yeah. It changed everything. Honestly, it. Um, I look at it now, looking back. Uh, it was a beautiful gift wrapped in a very ugly package, you know, because so much more good has come out of that happening than bad. And uh, I got to meet the most amazing people. Uh, I actually went to a palette resources workshop after it happened, after it healed, um, because I was considering quitting and going back to the OR. Mm-hmm. That was like, I was at this crossroads, right? Because I thought I never ever want somebody to go through what I just went through. Mm. I never would want to cause that on a, on a human being. So I was at this crossroads and I went to this palette workshop and Steve Yolen um, and Glenn Biasios were the, the faculty. And I stayed afterward and I said, can I talk to you about something? And I showed him pictures of my face, uh, what happened. And I said, I'm considering um, quitting because look what happened to me. Um, and he, he goes, he goes, Julie, I saw you inject tonight. You are so skilled and talented. Please don't quit. Please stay with this. And he goes, there's a new invention. Um, this just came out. Um, you can fly down to Newport Beach, shadow me for a day, and I'll show you what it is and how to use it. But I think this new invention is going to be um, preventing a lot of these kind of injuries. Mm. And you probably know what that invention is, right? I'm assuming Hylonex. No. <laughs> no. Cannula? <laughs> yeah. Cannula, right. Okay. <laughs> right. So I shadowed him for a day, showed me cannula. I saw him do nasal labial folds and lips with it. And um, then I kind of got my confidence back and got my groove back. And I, I, I learned the cannula and that was super, super helpful. Yeah. What year was that yeah. again? 
20, I think 2011 by the time it was either 2010 or 2011. I'm so bad at time, but my injury was February of 2010. Uh, I think when I was really scared and going through the crosswoods, might have been the end of 2010, the beginning of 2011. Yeah, I remember cannulas first coming because I'm from the UK and I was still there where, when they came out and sort of a bit yeah. of a mystery. It was like, mm. it, it, I think originally we thought it was mainly for surgeons and we, we didn't really understand like the use of them. Mm. And I don't even remember being trained how or when to use them. I, I, yeah. I can't remember that far back, but I do remember when they first hit the market. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not medical, Julie, in case, in case you didn't know. Uh, you can still get an occlusion with a cannula. Of course. Or, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So was that something that you assumed wasn't possible when you first saw the cannula being used? <laughs> sure. Because right. again... <laughs> <laughs> wrong again <laughs> again, man. yeah you know there's so much we didn't know until we knew it you right. know and and right now there's so much we don't know until we know it right yeah. so we're always learning i mean this is such a young field of medicine yeah um and i hate the word industry too so i don't say the mm. industry because this is a field of medicine we're we're learning it together. So the more we share, the more conversations we have, like what you guys are doing on this platform, I think it lifts us the whole field of medicine up. Uh, but yeah, we do not know. I really thought, oh, this can't get into a blood vessel because it's round and soft and you know, warm and fuzzy. It's not going to hurt anybody, you know. <laughs> it's going to give you a hug. It's, it's just going to be so fabulous. And then... Uh, and then I started hearing tales of people mm. getting into it with a right. cannula. And and sure, people on podium were saying, um, that's impossible. That's impossible. And mm. so, all you know, again, it was one of those debates that um, that people had. And, oh, it must be compression because a cannula cannot get into a vessel. I, I heard that over and over and over and over. Uh, but now, you know, that we have ultrasound, we see, we could literally see the filler in a blood vessel. You can see, yes, you can get the cannula into a blood vessel. I've done it so many times. Um, but I, you know, there's, there's tricks, tips, understanding anatomy is super helpful. Um, understanding the patient's history, you know, did they have surgery? Yeah. Uh, you can be really gentle. I always say, you know, be like a nice date. You know, you don't just <laughs> shove yourself in. You, you um, <laughs> ask permission. <laughs> if, if the tissue says no, no means no. Uh, <laughs> Sam told you, I'm a truck driver's daughter. Got yeah, there you go. My analogies are, my analogies are either food <laughs> or sex. That's just the way it is. Uh, if you don't like it, you can. Um, <laughs> you reminded me of Barbara Streisand's character from Meet the Fockers. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> Was she a sex therapist yeah, or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love her. Yeah. I can relate to that character. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. And just I've got the two medical people here. So in terms of the occlusion, can it sometimes be that it's not actually an occlusion? You've actually got a spasm of the vessel. And mm -hmm. then so how do you – this is a question for both of you. Maybe I'll go to Jake first. I mean, how do you identify like what's actually going on? And I guess that's maybe a rhetorical question because I guess you, maybe you can't. But does it does your treatment protocol kind of change and, and how do you sort of deal yeah. with that? Yeah. Well, shout out to Leonie Shelke. She, she's the one who sort of re revealed all of this. Yeah. but. Until we had ultrasound and, you know, I respect everyone who has been my mentor and yeah. helped me with the occasional occlusion in the past, but I think we were just guessing. Yeah. We were just messing around with high LAs, using sort of first principles to sort of try and understand where the block might be. 
is it in the vessel, is it out of the vessel? We didn't really know. But until you can see in there, you're just guessing. But what Leone has sort of shown is often, and, and I, I, I think the case will be that you can have multiple scenarios. It's not just one thing. But sure, you can definitely have filler in a vessel. That's been shown. You can definitely have filler around a vessel that probably causes a vasospasm of that network of um, smaller vessels. Um, and, you know, you're using ultrasound, Julie, so maybe you can sort of um, mm -hmm. pick up from here. But what's your sort of experience with dealing with occlusions and ultrasound? Well, I thank God for Leonie Schelke, first of all. Um, she was so helpful. Uh, I had this really puzzling um, adverse event where, of course, it was a smoker, right? My patient was a smoker. And she had a bunch of wrinkles through here. And I literally put a, a little strip. I was doing intradermal injections of Obella. And I did a little tiny strip of a, just a tiny little spider web of product probably got just a little bit too deep right under the skin uh and ne the next thing i know all hell bro broke loose i mean i could i was putting pressure because the blood came out when i took my needle out. i put pressure and above my fingers i could see blanching starting to happen and spread around the eye wow um it, it was calamity calamity before my eyes from a tiny little thread uh and I, you know, I think it was Jillian um, um, Murray. Murray, yeah, Jillian Murray, who reached out to me on Instagram uh, and said, "Julie, I think this is spasm. I think this is the choke phenomenon," and that's the first time I ever heard of it. And and it makes more sense, right? If you get a little bit of of HA into um, a, a blood vessel it can cause that spasm and that spasm can spread. And that has to be what happened because it was such a minute, tiny amount that mm. got in there. Uh, so that opened my eyes to this. And um, then I just started researching this. And I, I think, um, how would you treat it differently than others? Well, I did what I always do is kind of ask the patient, where does it hurt? Where do you feel it? And I go in there with hyaluronidase and inject wherever it was painful. Um, I carpet bombed it because that's what we, we knew what to do back then. We just carpet bombed the area, right? Mm. Uh, I started, you know, I, this is a, long, a few years ago. So it was before I had ultrasound. So I didn't have the advantage of ultrasound when this happened. But when I did get my ultrasound about three years ago, um, I, I was lucky enough to go on, get on a Zoom with Leonie Shelke, learned a lot. Uh, my friend Stella, Dr. Stella, really helped out a lot with the one that I was helping with too. Uh, so I just started learning how to do that. But, but what do you do differently if it's a tiny amount that you suspect is spasm? See, it's really kind of the same thing. You want to vasodilate. Uh, Dr. Stella just wrote a paper about possible benefits of Pronox, using Pronox to vasodilate. Um, Dr. DeLorenzi says, have your patient breathe in a paper bag. Um, and, you know, whatever your mode is, um, we did laser, we did um, bipolar and, and monopolar RF mm -hmm. to try to open up the vessels. I injected plain lidocaine um, with a cannula through the area to try to vasodilate. So you just got to think vasodilation. Mm. Hyaluronidase is a vasodilator as well. So yeah. uh, 
whatever we did work, she didn't lose any skin. Um, but it's scary. And, you know, the theory is, is that spasm can also cause blindness. It doesn't have to be an embolism. Um, and so, yeah, mm. I think there's there's a lot of research that still needs to be done on this. So it's no longer a debate. Yeah, j- just finish off. So um, my understanding would be that, you know, you can obviously turn on the color Doppler with your ultrasound. Um, I haven't had one yet, thank God, where, where I've had to do this. But you can obviously see where there's a change in the in the in the flow of the vessels. It it it, it gets very quiet mm-hmm. in that area where where the suspected mm-hmm. issue is, or or maybe the vasospasm. Mm-hmm. So then you can sort of trace back to the proximal vessel where it does look normal, and then sort of try and find that transition where it sort of stops. And that's where I'd be injecting mm-hmm. my highlights. Mm-hmm. So it's almost using first principles rather than maybe actually seeing the the filler. To, to sort of identify where that choke is. Mm. So, right. yeah, I don't know if that explains yeah. it or not. Yeah, it's interesting. No, it's- that's really good. And I love the way um, Leonie calls it the, the quiet zone. Mm. Yeah. Um, because that's how it looks. So you can compare the other side and you can see, you know, robust stuff happen here. Just look at the other side and it, and it looks quiet, yeah. really suspiciously quiet. Um, and if you see like a long tube of black, it's probably in a vessel because mm. that's how it looks when it's in a vessel, right? Yeah. Or a short little tube of black. And then my approach, if I saw a tube of black that that's, doesn't have Doppler flow, my approach would be to go behind it, maybe the facial artery, um, get in the lumen of that artery, uh, get with negative pressure, look for the red flash in your hub and push uh, or get a butterfly mm. you know, with a primed butterfly uh, so that you can find the lumen of that vessel and then push the hyaluronidase through the vessel um and that that's been super successful on the cases that i've helped with yeah um and the last I've, I've been doing that for about three years now probably what does a typical week look like for miss jubilant julie because you said you're not doing a lot of clinical practice with patients anymore or you're all about education so take us through a week how do you sort of spend your time how do you keep your skills uh, up do you miss the patient interaction Tell us all about it. I still, I still have some patients. Right. That I've okay. Kept, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the 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 ones that I just absolutely love. Uh, I will see. I just, uh, I my my weeks go by fast. Every single day is all about aesthetics, and uh, my birthday is on Thursday. So I think on my birthday I'm going to have a day with no screens and no aesthetics, uh, and just take a day off. But those are rare. I. I usually uh, will answer hundreds of messages a day, uh, people needing help. Uh, I'm there on call for anybody who has uh, an injury or an occlusion or any trouble. I try to respond to everybody that reaches out to me. Um, So that keeps me busy. I do a bunch of videos for Patreon uh, that are injection videos. Uh, I get ready for, uh, head and breakfast anatomy workshops that I do once a month here, um, in my hometown, we have a little training center. Um, and there's so much fun. There's only 12 people that come and they sleep at our two houses. Oh, so, right. wow. uh, it's kind of like, um, like a retreat. I don't know, it's like an anatomy <laughs> nerd camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, you know, we, we dissect heads at the training center, but then we go out to dinner together and we dress up and then we, we might go on a hike. Uh, so those are four day weekends. Mm. Uh, those are so much fun. And what else do I do? Oh, I go to my clinic in Redding, California and uh, hang out with my team. I have a team of eight amazing injectors and I teach them. I, I, I assist them and 
sometimes they teach me too, you know, uh, Hey, look at, I'm doing this and look at how good this looks. Yeah. You know, we, we just spend time together learning and teaching. So it's just very, I feel like I have a fulfilled life. I spend a lot of time with my husband and my dogs, uh, my kids when they're home from college. It's and my daughter lives up the road with two little grandkids uh, that I get to squeeze. <laughs> so I'm just having fun with grandmotherhood. Uh, I even have a granddaughter in Japan that oh, I just wow. adore. So yeah, life is good, but it's busy. It's busy. That sounds fun. I mean, how do you keep up with all the content creation? Because you know we're content creators <laughs> as well in a different way, and we're running our Patreon maybe not to the level of yours yet, but it's a constant battle so do you actually schedule it do you have a morning of okay no. these are the days that i'm videoing or is it just a bit more haphazard i'm a virgo libra so uh, <laughs> i want to be organized and i want to have my stuff together but i don't right. um i'm <laughs> i it's organized chaos is what it is uh i don't think i posted in a week today's talks tip tuesday so i gotta think of something to talk about about talks um i think i'm going to do metellus after we get off the phone mm -hmm. here but um it's always a, a little gnaw in the back of my head hey ah, you gotta do a post um i don't hire it out because uh i i don't think it would be as authentic yeah. as a, um to teach aesthetics with somebody else driving it um i have my team do my business uh instagram but yeah i i think um i need to be more consistent mm. for sure um, I can't believe the growth I've had with not being consistent, but um, I think that people are just hungry to learn. Um, and I think patient, more and more patients are starting to follow uh, some of us injectors now. So mm. it used to be just injectors mm. followed all of us. Um, now I think patients want to know. And I, that's why I think this podcast you're doing is incredible for medical and non-medical alike. Yeah. And I think it's cool that you're not medical because you know, you people want to know this and nobody's talking about it and Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's incredible. We've also got the reality that these are businesses at the end of the day too. And so there's a lot of people with an amazing clinical background and education, but when it comes to running their business, HR issues, contracts, medico legal issues, analyzing their numbers, yeah. like a lot of people don't have a lot of training in that. So I guess that's kind of how Jake and I sort of bounce off each other. Like I've owned businesses in this space for a long time. So I kind of get the medical side to it as much as someone who's a lay person can, but it's nice to be able to have mm. those, those mixed conversations. But getting back to you again, enough about me. What, <laughs> what, what is it that drives you every day? Because it seems like you've achieved everything, right? You've got 300,000 shoes, you've got, you know, houses, <laughs> you've got, you've got grandkids, you've had the occlusions, you've gotten over them, everyone, you know, you've training, got a huge academy. following. So what, like, what is your, like, what drives you and like, what's your, what are your goals now? Like, what are you trying to achieve? Well, I'm, I just got back from the inner circle. I've, I've done that oh, yeah. two days, two years in a row now. And, uh, the, the big focus of that is what's your purpose? Yeah. What's your why? Uh, and, and what I've found out, because I've thought about this a lot, like, why am I addicted to this field of medicine? Why am I uh, so gung-ho over it? It's because my why is is connecting with people and making the world a more beautiful place, mm. right? So be, what is beauty? Well, to me, you if you are your true self and you're connecting with people, 
goodness will flow out of you and it will ripple and affect other people. Like try going to a grocery store and not smiling the whole time. People won't smile at you, but try going in with a smile. Everybody you pass can smile back to you. I, I, I would imagine. Um, so we need to smile more, bark less. Uh, I just connect with people and, and share your joy. Um, and that does make the world a beautiful place. Right. That's just how I feel. So that's my purpose. Um, whether I'm teaching or I'm, you know, injecting somebody, it's not just about their beauty. It's about how they feel. Um, they're going to feel cared for because I do care and they're going to feel confident if, if I can restore something that's changed over the years, you know, mm. and I get it, man, I'm turning 56 on Thursday. It is, you know, there's a lot of changes that happened, especially to postmenopausal women. Mm. And I want to help them have that confidence that I have. Um, I want them to feel beautiful in their own skin and beautiful in their, around their friends and family. Mm. Um, and that's easy to do if you care and if you connect with them. Mm. It's interesting you sort of raised that postmenopausal situation. I think we were talking to one of our other guests a couple of weeks ago from the UK. And mm. He runs a, a GP clinic that does a lot of postmenopausal stuff. But I can't obviously speak to this because I'm not a female. But from what I've heard is that like there comes a point where, and I guess this happens to men as well, but particularly women, is that they start to feel invisible in the world. Like people stop noticing them, stop talking to them, stop engaging. And it seems to be around that kind of age, yeah. that transitionary period where particularly women go through that really, you know, I guess it might be confrontational and, and scary. Is that something that you kind of experience and, and tap into? With 100%. Your, yeah. yeah. Um, what happens, you know, as the aging process happens or with our skin, bone, muscle, fat, those four things just start to um, be reabsorbed and fall. Uh, and that leaves us with a very bitter look, angry look on our face at rest when we're only just minding our business. Mm. Uh, and, and it's that biofeedback back that, uh, we talked about when you're in the grocery store and you're not smiling, you're just minding your own business, looking for your eggs, right? People are going to look at an angry expression. That's not your fault. It's just because you're, you're 55. Um, they're going to look at that and maybe not smile, just keep on walking and look for their milk, you know, that, but you see somebody with no shadows, no support, no falling, um, who has a little bit of help, um, you know, maybe longer eyelashes from their, you know, eyelash medication, who knows, um, hair that's um, vibrant, uh, then they're, they're going to see a resting pleasant face instead of a resting bitch face. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and the world smiles at a resting pleasant face. The, the world yeah. smiles at, a, at another smile. It's contagious. Yeah. So I think if we can get baseline, just, taken away that what gravity and uh, bone resorption and uh, deep fat pad resorption is doing, um, we can do a lot for these people. And I wish it wasn't so expensive because I think everybody could benefit from this. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the United States, it's extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, so I try to be budget conscious, budget minded, work on a little by little, but I think the world, um, you know, if aesthetics done, nicely and done beautifully artistically and look really natural um and um yeah i've never had anybody guess my age and i think that's great um I, i'm not i'm not ashamed of it but i just wish everybody had the advantages that that we all have well firstly happy birthday we yes. didn't say happy birthday, happy birthday. so happy birthday <laughs> coming. uh 
but I, I loved what you said. That that really gets to the crux of how how mm. how I often end up in my consultations with people of that age group because they they come burdened with all sorts of taboo, guilt, judgment for 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 maybe exploring these things and. I really try to untangle that and, and disassociate it f- from them because you, you said yourself, your face is the passport to the world and it's not yeah. your fault if it changes. It's it's life, it's gravity, it's age, and it's what kind of happens with biology. But if you could do something about it that still looks good and natural, I think that's something that most people would aspire to if it, if it was possible. Yeah. And yet it just gets tangled up in marketing and bullshit, judgment and husband saying this and friends saying that. And it puts people off. The noise puts people off. But the result, if done well, is always positive. Yeah. When when you think about it, like uh, from like an evolutionary biology perspective, like Mother Nature doesn't care about us once we've been old enough to reproduce. Like when you look at like how long our teeth last in in our mouth, right? So all of these... uh, messages that get sent in our body for regeneration and, and sort of yeah. they're all they're all kind of downregulated once you've reached we've gone past that child you know reproduction age so we're not when you let's say these things aren't our faults because we're not really supposed to be alive to be no. honest with you and so <laughs> yeah. that's just the reality mm-hmm. of the situation yeah we weren't living to 80 as yeah as yeah. cavemen yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we're made to, we're made yeah. to reproduce yeah, and that's it. Yeah, you'd kick a rock and get an infection and die. Like that's yeah. basically what Well, what are your thoughts on regenerative um, treatments that are sort of coming in to augment what we're already doing? Because, you know, let's be honest, we're sort of papering over I the cracks it. here. Oh, my God. That's my newest obsession. Oh, God. How, how much time do we have more? I mean, um, uh, at Inner Circle, Nicola Conlon. Talked, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's so brilliant. She's yeah. Just, brilliant um really inspiring about the, how the cell ages and just like you said you know we're, we're meant to reproduce and then that's it right so um our everything just sort of goes down very rapidly um the rnad plus and all of this so i i think that it this is i don't know we might live to be 200 if, if they hurry up because there's, <laughs> there's some new meds coming up yeah and I could do that. I could be 200 as long as my, I don't have bursitis or something. I can't walk around. That would, that would be terrible. Uh, but yeah, as long as our brains are, you know, sharp, uh, it'd be fun to live a little longer. But yeah, I think that it's, it's, we're at the infant stage of this uh, regenerative medicine. I think it's going to explode. Uh, it's, it's exciting. And I just, I'm, I'm spending my time reading and studying more about that. Um, taking her brain, taking her supplements, uh, yeah. <laughs> the NAD plus supplements, uh, and we'll see, you know, doing, um, hormone, uh, bioidenticals, uh, I don't know, lots of good skincare and, and just trying to hope until that the anti-aging pills come out, then I'll be all about that. I'll, I'll stand on the corner and like literally work do anything anybody asks me to if I can't afford it because I, I, want, <laughs> I just <laughs> I'll wash cars I'll I'll vacuum out your house uh, just give you those pills uh, no but I think it's I think it's exciting mm. I think we're in the beginning of it it's going to explode it's going to be great you've just done a great advert for us uh, yeah. we, you know we've partnered with Nicola before she's been on the podcast and oh, you did? Yeah. yeah, if you guys are genuinely interested who are listening, yeah. you know, you can actually try this stuff and we've got a discount yeah. code. So just go to insideaesthetics.com uh, forward slash offers 
And, you know, yeah. all of our offers are there, including Nuchido, which yeah, is up, the name of the supplement. I'm up to my third bottle. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Well, there we are. I need to order some more. <laughs> oh, she needs an ad that says like from Cheetos to new Cheeto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> right? You're welcome, Nicola. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to ask you. That's how to healthy to young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I forgot to ask right at the start. So who? I, I know you said your husband trained you in Botox. And I think you said Steve mm-hmm. Yolen, who um, I think is Nicola's medical director. He, he taught you some stuff. But who's been your, like, your biggest inspiration or who's a continuing mentor or... Who's, who do you think is the greatest injector? <laughs> <laughs> That's so loaded. I know. Uh, Steve Yolen has been the most impactful uh, in my career. Um, he, you know, I, I think I about died the day he said, I'm suggesting you to work with Pallet with me, mm. to be a teacher with me. And um, that really took my breath away. And I cried with joy. Um he is. He, he's the guy. He's an unsung hero. He doesn't even have it. Social media, one of the nicest people in this world and an angel on this earth. Um, and my husband, who's another angel on this earth, that guy, uh, you know, he's, he's just amazing. So he never judges. He's always ready to teach. Uh, he's brilliant. Um, yeah, I, those two men are, are my favorite. Uh, people um and as far as colleagues there's so many i mean there's so much talent there how do you even say if i say five people i would forget 95 people <laughs> um so, so i'm not going to take the bait uh, <laughs> but, uh, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but but steve you for sure uh good human being and a really good friend and and he's he's probably one of the big reasons i didn't go back to the or and i'm very forever grateful for that mm. Okay, I think we have to get Steve on. Yeah. I've never met him. I don't know too much about him because, like Aww. you said, there's not much out there. But it's twice in a well, few episodes that he's come up. Well, we've been speaking about this because we had Michael Kane on about six months ago. Oh, six months? Maybe. Probably longer now, longer yeah. Now. And we've had people like Arthur Swift, who's obviously got a big name, uh, like Gene Carruthers. So all these people that were like the ah, godfathers Gene. and godmothers mm. of the industry, and particularly people, as you said, like Steve, who don't have a social media profile, if you were to sort of – randomly survey 100 injectors who are in their 30s they probably have no idea who these people are some of them not particularly like people like steve so we should carruthers oh my god when i met her i was so such a fangirl i was like oh my god and it was only not it was on a zoom that i met her i'm like i'm like Twitter painted for Gene Carruthers. Like, yeah. I can't believe this is real. It's pretty special, right? You know, the, 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 the actual person who started all this is giving you their time. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I so, know. So, yeah, we should get someone like Steve on who hasn't have a big profile and yeah. remind the world who they are or introduce them to the world. Yeah, we'd love to. Yes. Now, and, oh, my God, Jill Jones. That's yeah. another one. Well, grandmother of, of training. I mean, she, she had the very first training institute that I've ever gone to. Jill Jones is amazing. Um, incredible pioneer. Uh, gosh, there's we don't so know many. Jill. Connie Brennan. You're going to have to introduce yeah, us to these you people. You know Jill? No, no, we need your black book of all these people. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many legacies out there that people don't know. And um, I, I wish that I wish they did because um, they, they have so much to teach. Yeah. And they, they're passionate about it. Um, MK Maloney. Um, I could go on and on and yeah. on. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, we should there, do the. Um, we not should. everybody spends time on social media, and they're probably more mentally healthy than I am. 
um, <laughs> those of us who who just like yeah. uh, just spend so much time on it. But they're uh, amazing people. Yeah, look, David and I were talking just about a week ago, and you, and you mentioned Michael Caine and a few others. But w- we actually want to have a, an actual focus on yeah, the Pioneer series. Or yeah, something like Pioneer that. series, Legacy series, because you know yeah. many of these people are close to retirement and. Once they're gone, they're gone. We'll never get those stories back. So if we can capture some of those chats and and those uh, real beginnings, you know, way before you, Julie, you know, back into the early 90s and further back, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can hook us up with any of those people, do some intros because we'd like to get (laughs) get them out there. I will. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll connect you. Now, talking about training and teaching, you you mentioned that you are a trainer for Allegan Medical Institute. I think you said Galderma, you do Pallet. So... Mm What what does that look like? Like, what's what's your commitment time wise? What do you actually do with these companies? Um, do you still enjoy it? Because you know, I know it can be grueling and, and lots of travel involved, and obviously yeah. you're constrained in in certain ways by pharma as well. So just give us a flavor of how you feel about all of that. Yeah. Well, uh, I started doing the training, you know, in office trainings back in 2012. Uh, and there wasn't very many allergan trainers back then. Um, so I feel like it quickly, it started out kind of slow, then it quickly got to a lot. So I was spending most of my time away from home and my boys were young. They were 10 and 12, I think, um, or 12 and 14. Um, yeah, 12 and 14. And, and it was really hard to be away from them so much, but I did it. I, I wanted to make a difference. I was driven by making a difference and making the space and, and newer injectors more safe. Um, because of what happened in 2010, I was driven to uh, have people be as safe as possible. So I went all over the place, small offices and taught, right? Mm. And my husband wasn't happy about it. Uh, my children weren't happy about it. Even today, they're 21 and 23 now. And they're like, yeah, mom, dad was always home and you were never home. You know, and I thought, wait, before you were 12 and 14, I was home all the time. You know, that's a lot of years to be home, I, you know. Uh, so it's hard. I think for trainers, um, they don't realize how much you're going to, you know, to get a name for yourself. You really work hard, just like you said, you know, and you make more money staying at home in your office than you do out there. So you can't do it for the money. Yes. Um, you cannot. You're, you, you know, say you make two, $3,000 on a training you can make that in your office and pay your staff, you know, um, in just a couple hour, two, maybe three hours. So it's not, it's not the money that, that trainers do it for. I think it's, you've got to have that passion to drive to do it. So I hardly do those anymore. Um, just because, um, I, I don't have the time to do those anymore. Uh, but I'll do like the, um, Allergan has a master series, master expert series, I get to work with a colleague and together we, we get to um, teach people um, that are more advanced and it's really, really fun. Uh, and then for Galderma, um, I love going to ad boards. I love going to offices uh, that are local that I don't have to drive a long ways to. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, teaching locally. Um, or if I happen to be at a conference, um, I, I will reach out to a rep and say, Hey, I'm in town for, you know, I'm in Dallas for this conference, and if you need me, just you know, hook me mm. up the day or before or the day after yeah. um, the conference. So I'll do that, but yeah. I, I don't just go out all over the place, flying all over the place anymore like I used to. Yeah. Oh, and I yeah, I just love it. I just love teaching. Um, it, whether it's a conference or whatever, 
Just, yeah. yeah I'll, if you ask, I'll say yes, chances are. <laughs> what, what kind of stuff do you do with the advanced um, injectors? Is it um, hands-on injecting? Is it theory or both? Or Yeah. Um, the one I just mentioned, the Allergan's Master Expert Series, uh, it is a lot of didactic for everybody that talks about more advanced um, teaching, more advanced um, concepts, more advanced anatomy, and uh, very, very detailed hands-on. So it's kind of like a Montessori project where everybody gets hands-on and understands. And then, uh, yeah, I will inject uh, to um, demonstrate, and then there'll be somebody coming up on stage that is learning that other people will watch. So both, both me injecting and the, and the person. And then the co-faculty is usually a physician uh, who will do the same thing. So yeah. it's usually a physician and a nurse practitioner or a PA or a nurse. Um, and um, they're so much fun. They really are. Mm. Um, and it's just sort of a full day. Um, yeah. yeah. And while I'm there, I might do, you know, go to an office or two and, and have more fun in there. I do like the small settings of being in a, in a medical office yeah. one-on-one. Something that comes up uh, regularly, and we, we often ask our experienced injectors on these sorts of episodes this question, uh, and then I'm going to add a second question. So y- you obviously train a lot of newbies as well through your Patreon and and, and maybe Palette, I don't know. What, what do you think leads to competence? Like at, at what point is someone ready to take the training wheels off and, and go out on their own? Like how do you judge that? Yeah, I, well, and like when I train somebody for my office, I like to shadow, have them shadow me for three months and then me shadowing them for three months. Right. You can see in a consultation, um, so much good or bad happening. Um, so first of all, I'm looking at, um, connection. Can they connect with a patient? Um, cause if they can't connect and they don't have the personality skills, I'd rather let them go right away. But what do you actually um, say to those even, people? Because it's a crushing conversation, isn't it? It is. It is. And I've had to say it before in the past. Uh, I'll say, hey, I really want you to try really hard to connect with every single patient. Uh, and some patients won't be for you, and that's fine. But I want to see you have a little more joy in your eyes and a smile on your face, a little you know, compassionate uh, listening skills. Uh, and if I'm not seeing that, then I just let them go because mm. uh, they they're a, they are the face of your business. Uh, so I want people to basically have my morals, my values, uh, my ethics, and if they don't fit that culture, then you know they're they're going. Uh, so then, if they have that and they have the good consultation skills and, and they really are connecting with every patient. I'm going to next watch for their hands um, and their knowledge. So I will test them, uh, say, okay, so what muscle are you targeting there? Where's the origin? Where is it inserting into the skin? Um, If they're doing filler, you know, hey, so what arteries are you around right now? What are you being careful for? What Mm. layer are you in right now? Uh, Things like that. Um, And of course, not with paying patients. I wouldn't be quizzing them because that, that wouldn't feel good as a patient, (laughs) but you know, in the training phase with people volunteering to be, you know, training person. um, I think those, we really need to pay attention to their skill level, their knowledge level, um, because it's a very cumulative learning is cumulative. I'd rather they get the basics and then build on the basics 
rather than just throwing everything at them and saying, all right, tear trust room five, go for it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, Temples. I, I agree. I just don't, you got have, it. I just don't think us injectors who, who are teaching have the bandwidth to do that for so many people. It, it's a lot of time and effort nope. and handholding and feedback. And I, I just, I don't know how yeah. we scale that. Mm. I, I talk to a lot of people. I don't either. It? That's why I haven't scaled. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, like a lot of people that I talk to, conversations will come up around taking on new injectors and what's their journey going to look like. And there's a lot of commercial discussions, but inevitably we always end up talking about, well, how are you going to upskill this person? And there seems to be, and, you know, this is not for me to sort of say whether it's right or whether it's wrong, it's just an observation that it seems like this is a, like a specialty into, in, unto itself. Like just if you went and became a GP or a plastic surgeon or an ENT or what, whatever, you know, that's generally someone who's already got a certain degree of training, like a medical qualification, who then goes on to do, do a specialty. But we're trying to teach right. people how to do what we call the basics, lips, cheeks and tocks in like a weekend or a week or two. And for someone that's an outsider who's not sort of doing these treatments, that seems like a very ambitious goal. And I often yeah. wonder, are we actually setting ourselves up to fail? Because I guess you guys have learnt over, you know, Jake's been doing this for 11 years. I'm not sure how long you've been doing One sixteen. Yeah, 16. Oh, wow. Nearly. Jeez, you old bastard. Yeah. I, know. Um, <laughs> um, I often wonder, are we, are we, now that we know, more we like we didn't know we didn't know 10 15 20 years ago we know now how much is involved how much can go wrong you know we've got different cannulas different planes that we're injecting in like different products to choose from ultrasound ultrasound it's a lot more nuanced like we're the 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 art form and, and the specialty in inverted commas is becoming more detailed and more involved every year that goes by so i often wonder why are we trying to force people to learn all this information so quickly. Why aren't we saying to someone, you're doing tox for 12 months, get really good at yeah. Botox, understand your facial anatomy, get really good at getting people results that they're not getting anywhere else. Understand the elevated depressor relationship, understand how you can change the shape of someone's face rather than just chasing lines. Mm -hmm. If you can do Botox or any toxin better than what they're getting elsewhere and really have that attention to detail, those patients are going to be loyal. It doesn't matter you can't do you know, like a jawline yet, or you're not going to do a nose or you're not going to be doing all these other sort of advanced treatments. And it's not really, oh God, I, I just wonder, like, now. is that, is no. that, I mean, am I crazy to think that we're just, no. we're just fast rolling people for the sake of it because we don't either under, it's either like we're undervaluing or not appreciating as an industry, how complicated it is that we're, what we're doing. Um, and do we need to right. take a step back and go, this is like a three or four year journey and you're not going to touch a filler for two years or 12 months. So I'd be curious to know, well, Julie first and maybe Jake, what your thoughts are on that from, from just someone that's an outsider looking in going, yeah. this seems pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I think I think I agree with uh, your sentiment. And I think, too, that if, if you hire people full time, you're going to be at an advantage. Uh, if they have another side hustle that they're doing or they want this yeah. aesthetic medicine to be their side hustle, you're going to have a lot more trouble getting them up to speed uh, in any time. So I like to hire people that have never done it in their life. I hire uh, bubbly personalities and, and serious, smart people. So I try to look for people who have a passion, who who have never done it before, but they 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 want to and they, they have this drive. Because I when I've tried to 
train people from uh, not from scratch. They bring the, all their bad habits with them from the last place they were with. Uh, and, and that's not good, right? So, and you also don't want to train people that are going to leave you and go start their own place. Uh, that's a whole other big problem, right? It's so expensive to train somebody. So say somebody did Botox for a year, they're really skilled at it. They want to learn um, fillers. Well, somebody might be super skilled at Botox in one or two months because they're watching a whole bunch of Patreons and they're Hmm. really diving into it and they just immerse themselves and now they're ready. So I don't think you can put a a solid timeline Hmm. on anybody's skills. Some people it'll be two months. Some people will be, gosh, you know, two years. Uh, Would I fire that person that's slowly picking up Botox? No, as long as she's connected, she or he is connecting with the patient's uh, and doing a dang good job with the toxin, then fine, they could do it for two years. Mm-hmm. But um, usually they'll want, they'll, they'll grab it quicker because that's all they're doing. They, yeah. I don't, I really, I do have some people that have other jobs. I, I wish they didn't because I think full time is when you're going to shine. Yeah, Your skills are going to shine. If, when this is all you do and all you learn about, it, it's going to, it's just better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And just to shout out one of our patrons, because we, we put out um, that, you know, you're going to be coming on and do you have any questions for Julie? And she sort of, it's not really a question as such, but she sort of said, her name is Jennifer O'Brien. I think she's based in the States. And she was listening to our episode with yep. Nicola and we had a similar chat yep. with Nicola. And I think Jennifer's, you know, less experienced. She's been injecting for a few years and she wondered whether sometimes there's an assumption that you have to have numerous years of experience before you can be good because she has said you know she's an example of where she threw herself into it she essentially uh, got a lot of different um, education and she feels relatively comfortable even though it's only been a few years so I think like you said Julie some people are just faster learners or they just really dedicate their 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 limited time to it and they just pick it up quicker um, but you know, mm-hmm. having Absolutely. trained lots of people and you've trained more people than me, Julie, I, I do think as a general rule, the longer you've been injecting, the, the wiser you become because, you know, you just know which battles to pick. And, and sometimes you just smell something that doesn't feel right. You can't really explain it, but you just know to, to back off. Mm. And, and you only learn that through, through saying no multiple times and, and occasionally saying yes in your earlier years to learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with the newer injectors, you have this Dunning-Kruger effect where they think that they're confident and then they realize that actually there's a lot more to learn. So I, I, I don't want Jennifer to think, Jennifer to think I'm, I'm not agreeing with what she's saying, but I'm just saying it kind of depends. And there's, and there's also the yeah. concept of, sorry, Julie, do you want to jump in or cop in after you? I just want to say if uh, Jennifer uh, lives in the Southern Oregon or Northern California region, I want her to call me because I would love to hire somebody like that uh, because she sounds um, totally into it. She sounds like somebody I would want to hire, right? Mm. Uh, and um, I, I applaud her for, for diving in like that and being um, and wanting to get to that expert level. But I think she needs to remember and all of us need to remember how did we get to where we are, right, Jake? We got to where we are because we made mistakes. Yeah, we have made many mistakes. And um, how many brows did we drop? You know, how many people walked out looking like Angry Birds <laughs> um, the first ten years? Jack right? Nicholson. Yeah. I mean, 
Yes, yes. I mean, we met, that's why that's why we know what we're doing because we've done the thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just like yeah. just like parenting, um, you you make mistakes and you try to make your kids not make them. Yeah. So when we're training these people, they're going to make mistakes, and that's fine. So don't get in this whole puff. Oh, you yeah, know, new people make a lot of mistakes. Well, so do the old people. Yeah. We made plenty of them, and um, there's no shame in that. You know, as long as you connect with your patient, they'll forgive you. You'll do better next time. Uh, so uh, I I like to applaud people like her that are really in it that want to accelerate it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And the same thing, um, people degree shame. Uh, mm. Don't degree shame people. If it's legal for somebody to inject in that state, then guess what? Don't shame them. They're they're doing what they um, are legally authorized to do in that state. You yeah. know. Uh, so I see that happen a lot, and it breaks my heart. I just Dang good injectors who um, are, you know, uh, uh, associate degree nurses or, um, you know, even MAs in some states, uh, estheticians, you know, there's 50 states here and they're all wildly different. And I I just say, hey, if you're legal to inject wherever you're living in the world, then you're welcome to to let me um, be a part of your path. Uh, But yeah, I I, I love that drive and ambition. And um, and I, I applaud her for that. Yeah. Well, there you go, Jen. If you're living in Northern Cali yeah, we got or your Southern job. Oregon, you got a job <laughs> and you're welcome. There you go. <laughs> but I, I do think as well that, you know, even if you're super enthusiastic and you're doing heaps of a particular task, there is still a certain amount of time that needs to pass for that to sink into your brain. Like you fill a sink full of water. The water can only get through that pipe at a certain speed. And so I've experienced yeah. this myself with learning skills or your practice, practice, practice. And one day it just, it just sort of sinks in, but it's, you, you just have to wait for it to sort of filter through your psyche and somehow, yeah. you know, you know, solidify itself and, in yeah. your mind. Yeah. And not to be crass, but some people have a bigger pipe than others. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> bigger pipes. We've gone back there, have we? <laughs> we're going to change your name to, we're going to change he, your name. He started it. Yeah. We're going to change your name to Dirty Julie. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think i'm always so happy yeah. <laughs> i'm moving on um, jake's blushing <laughs> yeah we, we we had another um i think it was a question yeah from natalie smith i think natalie is based i don't want to get what's this wrong the, what's, natalie. The, what's the country code i'm trying to work it out um can't find it this is her business account anyway natalie thank you for your Contribution. She basically said that, Julie, you've highlighted, um, I think somewhere, must, must be in your social media, that there's a bit of inequity in pay for trainers, particularly females and maybe nurses. So um, mm-hmm. how do you have that discussion with conferences or, or training companies? And what's your advice to maybe less experienced trainers who sort of feel a little bit like, you know, they, they don't know what to say or how to counter that if they feel like they're being undervalued? Yeah, I, I, I have not been good at this. Uh, it just hit me um, a couple of years ago. I, I was at a conference, um, basically doing the same thing, um, exact same roles, exact same responsibilities as a physician um, faculty, and I was I, I learned that I was paid half of what the physician was, mm. uh, and and I, I approached. Um, one of the heads, I'm not going to say the company or the names, but I approached one of the heads of the company um, 
very upper up. And I said uh, to them, do you think it's fair for somebody to do the exact same things with the exact same responsibilities and the exact same amount of time to be paid half of the other person? Um, And he goes, I don't, I don't think it's fair. And I said, so how can we change this? Mm. And he said, that's a good question. It's (laughs) the way it's always been. Um, Doctors always get paid more than nurses for teaching. Um, and, but you're right. It's not fair. You know, you and the other nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs are doing the exact same thing. You know, um, maybe a nurse can't diagnose and treat, but a PA can and then P can. So I think at least people at the same responsibility level should be paid the same. Mm. Um, in our country, uh, the United States, it's shameful that 50% of physicians are not women yet. Um, we're most developed countries, 50% of the doctors are women. In the United States, it's 37%. I think we got some work to do with equality. I don't think we're treated the same as we are in other countries. Um, Japan's like 22% mm. uh, that our physicians are women. And I think that's incredibly shameful. I have a granddaughter in Japan. I hope it changes by the time she becomes a woman. Um, but I don't like it. You know, it, it does. It's a, it's a thorn in my you know side. I can't handle it. Uh, so I, I think if you, if you're new and you're kind of starting to get your chops, you're just grateful to be asked to be a trainer. You're just grateful. And you're probably not going to have that courage to say anything. It's going to be up to people like me um, and my, my colleagues who have been at it a long time to advocate for you. And uh, that's what I plan to do. I plan to advocate, uh, talk to the company heads, um, I, I don't have that fear anymore of they won't like me. They won't ask me to train because basically um, I feel like I don't need to to train for them. Um, I just want to train for my, I can train for myself. Yeah. Um, so I don't have that fear anymore. Uh, so talking to that executive gave me kind of some headwinds because he agreed, or at least he said he agreed, but nothing has changed in the last two years. Mm. Are you able to say which conference that was or not? No. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. No, I am in a soup closet, but I don't have a few margaritas. I can't tell you. (laughs) Damn. We'll have to get you on a two hour Instagram live. Yeah, we'll get you on a two hour Instagram live and we'll name and shame everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never work in this country again. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, The companies um, are great. And, um, you know, look at look at some of the companies with female leadership. Allergan and Galderma both have amazing female leaders. Um, so they and they care about um, diversity. They care about inequality. They do care. It's just policy that needs to change. Mm. It's not like there's evil companies, you know, um, putting women down. It's policy. It's like this is what's always been done. Yeah. So this is what this is hard to change julie this is a hard one to change and i'm like no it's not hard mm. when you do the contracts guess what oh they're doing the same role the master expert series for example they're we're doing the same thing yeah straight across the board it should be um it should be the same so i think um when i re-up my contracts for any of these um companies and speaking engagements and whatnot advisory boards i'm going to ask the question Am I getting paid the same as everybody involved in this project um, with the same responsibilities? Mm. Yeah. And if the answer is no, I'll say um, this needs to change. And until it does, no, thank you. Yeah, that, I think that's fair. 
Yeah. Um, it, it gets tricky um, because in some countries you just don't have nurse injectors. And so even um, access to the conference, forget speaking and pay, yeah. it, it's limited yeah. or I don't know, it gets a bit um, difficult. And I, I guess you just respect that local culture. I mean, we can't change the world in a day. But if you're going to ask someone to speak, I, I, I find that a bit bizarre that you wouldn't have parity for everyone. It's it's the same thing, right? And 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 they're leveraging yeah. your skill, your knowledge. So why not pay that person? And also your reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not experience either, because you know a doctor is very often busy being a doctor. You know, saving lives, um, taking skin cancers off, uh, like my husband cutting cancers out of a neck. Um, they, they don't have as much time mm. as somebody dedicated to the field mm. has. And uh, we have a lot of experience to share. We have a lot um, to teach and we should be, we should be paid accordingly. Mm. I, yeah. I really believe that strongly. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing. I have one more thing to say because yeah. you brought it up. Uh, conferences that will let nurses attend and, 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 and PAs attend but they will not let us on the podium. Oh, that's um, ridiculous. Yeah. I will not go to. I have boycotted them. I, I don't think that's right. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I want no part of that. And they need to change. They need to ask um, experienced uh, people something to, che- uh, to teach up onto the podium. Hmm. Um, I was going to say, I know this is a slightly longer Injector Diaries episode, but I've just got a few more questions about your Patreon because we need to learn. You can <laughs> teach us something, Julie. So we we actually find, and maybe maybe we're wrong, but it's a very American-centric sort of platform. So if you ask an American injector about a Patreon, they immediately know what it is, they know how it works, and they just get it. But when we mm. talk to people about Patreon, they're like, what, what's Patreon? We don't understand yeah. it. So do you have trouble explaining it to people? Oh, yeah. Like Keith Marcus the other day, he goes, is that like OnlyFans for injectors? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind I'm of, like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Keith. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of people still don't know, and that's fine. Um, I think that we need to kind of, um, like talk about it more, um, put it on our Instagram more. So, you know, like I'll, I'll label some of it, um, that I'm taking off of a Patreon reel so that it, they can see on Instagram that this is a snippet mm. of a video I did on Patreon. So yes. if they have it kind of what's their appetite to say, Oh, I want to learn more about that. Yeah. Uh, not just the superficial stuff. So I want to learn, I want to dive deep into what she's talking about. Uh, and then I have a link um, so they can go straight into the Patreon. Um, and I think it's important that we are clear that um, not just anybody can t- learn how to do this yeah. stuff, um, that you have to be legal and qualified um, so that people aren't out there hurting themselves. Uh, but yeah, I think you will agree with that. I don't know if it's like with you where you guys are, but I think you can, you know, get counterfeit product anywhere mm-hmm. um, shipped to your doorstep yeah. or across the world. And it, it's very sad. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, um, yeah we're, we're quite hot on that. So we have an intake form. So people have to fill that out and they can't get access to our WhatsApp groups until we've identified our. Oh you're that person and we've got your license number. So yeah. we, we try our best. It, it's not a perfect system. I wish there were things that we could do with our Patreon to make it more seamless, but it is what it is. How, how many um, subscribers do you have to yours now? Uh, about 25, 2600. That's pretty that's good. Massive, yeah. Um, yeah, that's huge. About 10 times us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for those people who are listening who don't know what it is, how, how do you describe in one or two sentences, what is Patreon? Uh, 
It is on-demand videos that they could watch anytime. I mean, some people say that their husband hates the sound of my voice because it means they're not going to get any. <laughs> so they watch it in bed. I'm like, don't watch me in bed. I'm like, stop it. Give them some love. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but they're on-demand. Right. And my videos are about 20 minutes and probably their husband's loves about the same uh, time. So yeah. spend your time with your husband for those 20 minutes. Um, but no, you can watch them anytime um, on demand. You can search for you know a subject you want to learn about. Um, and uh, I think uh, just give yourself some time to build it up because uh, I started in gosh, 2019, right before the pandemic is when I started mine. Um, in 2019, you know, I started just with a couple of people and I, I, I just really got to know them. And um, it's kind of cool because you get to know people through there um, mm. that you see at conferences and get to hug, um, get to know them better. And um, then sometimes, you know, I don't know, it's just a really cool community where everybody's nice. Nobody is mean to each other there. Uh, it's, it's really, really, it's not only fans, uh, it's a serious <laughs> learning platform. Yeah, no, we um, agree. But it's, yeah, I think it's so worth it. Um, yeah, I just, I think that, uh, just be patient with it and put it on Instagram as much as you can that you have Patreon. Now, you know, I've just, I just learned that you guys had one just, mm. um, recently. So I'm going to be subscribing to yours oh, too. Awesome. Thank uh, you. I sub I do. I subscribe to all my friends and colleagues and I like to support them and, and we need to support each other. Uh, so yeah, I subscribe to several and I wish I had more time to watch them, but yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a and subscriber my to yours. Would not be happy. <laughs> I love yours, Julie. It's, it's really good. And uh, yeah, you've taught, or well, you taught me a lot about how to run it and and what sort of stuff can go on there. So thank you. Um, sure. We've we tend to end these episodes with some similar repeating questions, and these are rapid fire. So just one or two word answers only. Okay. I think I know your okay. answer to some of these already. Anyway, what's your favorite? <laughs> Penis. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> only fans. <laughs> no. Oh, just kidding. Okay. okay what is your number uh, one toxin uh, and why? Hmm. Botox, because I know it best and I can predict it. Cool. Cool. Uh, same question again, but for filler. And then I guess just to sort of expand on the question, if you only had one filler that you could use forever, what would be the one you'd choose? I guess probably. Voluma. 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 Okay. 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 Voluma. It, it lasts a long time. And, um, and again, I know it. I know it well. Mm -hmm. Fair. Um, what's your favorite cannula make and size and why? Mm, probably the TSK uh, Steriglide. Uh, I, I hate that the, the syringes of Allergan are wildly tighter and different than the syringes of all the other fillers. Mm. So um, I use a lot of Steriglide because they make them uh, directly for Allergan and you could use those on, on other ones. So but they're like eleven dollars a piece. Oh, no. yes. uh, so, so I recently found one that's like a dollar fifty a, uh, a piece um, that I use in my cadaver workshops. Wow. And I just wish that we had those available in the states. What are they called? Um, Do you know? Yeah, I use the the Yastrid. Um, Yastrid, that's new for us. And I, yeah. I, I don't use I, I. I'm afraid, like to use them on a live person, just because they came from China. Mm. Um, but for the cadaver workshops, heck yeah. I, for cadavers, I hate using something's $11. Yeah. So I ordered a bunch of those for the cadaver workshops. Uh, but I think that there's, there's other brands that can make it 
a very good product like the gastrids, very good product that is um, perfectly fine and acceptable. It's just that what we have in the States are wildly expensive. But I think uh, Dermasculpt is great. TSK is great. Um, but I want a large bore and a soft um, top. And I do like the ones with the marking on them, especially do a tear trough so I can, I can gauge it and, and go in and know exactly how far it is for teaching that. So that was a um, long one word, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> no, not one word. Sorry. That wasn't rapid fire at all. That was slow fire. <laughs> slow burn. Um, slow. Aspiration, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yes. That was very confident. Yes. yes. Confident. Yes. Okay. Last question. That's easy. Um, what's been your most, I guess, um, influential book, course, or other educational offering that has influenced your practice the most? Could be a conference. Mm, could, I would say could be a podcast. Uh, <laughs> the little tiny palette workshops that I did early on, and Jill Jones, uh, AAI, uh, a uh, Jill Jones's workshops and palette workshops, because those are just a few people in the room and they give you all this attention and um, hands-on. They uh, totally shaped my career. I, I think Jill Jones's courses and palette resources courses shaped my career. Um, 100% hands down. Conferences are great, but, but when you're in a small group of 10 people or less, you're going to learn it. That's They inspired me to do our Head and Breakfast Cadaver courses mm. here because people learn it people connect and they make friendships and i've made friends with people at these conferences these little ones um so i'd say if you have an opportunity to get in a wherever you are in the world to get in a small hands-on workshop that's the gravy that's where you're gonna connect you're gonna learn and it's gonna fire you up yeah 100 percent. i couldn't agree more well that was a fascinating entertaining Always slightly inappropriate, <laughs> but also appropriate at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but love you that already chat. knew that about me because yeah, I'm was, being myself. Exactly. It was as fun as I imagined it was going to be. Um, I try and remember when Aww. I when I first reached out to you. I reckon it was closer to two years ago, and we'd just been busy. And uh, anyway, here we are. Yeah. We got it. We got it sorted. Yeah, I did. I get messages from a lot of people. I didn't know who you were, and um, for, I kind of ignored it a little bit because I was like, oh yeah, this other. Uh, she makes me feel you know, so special. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then somebody said, somebody said your name and and inside aesthetics, and I was like, what? They're legit? Oh, I better go back and look at my messages. <laughs> Not just like, random oh spammers. Good, good to know how I come oh across. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Colleagues said they were interviewing with you or doing something with you, and I was like, I wonder why he hasn't asked me. And then I, I went back and I'm like, wait a minute, is I think I think he did reach out to me, and I went back and looked. I'm like, oh crap, I feel like an idiot. It's all legit. good. <laughs> we got there. Well, thank you for your time. What what the people don't know uh, is we're going to record another one straight after this, so we're going to showcase you twice in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, exciting. Double, um, double dose. So go and have a break and uh, we will see you on the next episode and thanks for taking the time and being so candid and honest and funny it was good thank you thank you Julie take care of yourself thank you I had fun bye bye for our latest news follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast if you want to get in touch with myself or David follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education get access to our global community of like-minded professionals live and interactive Zoom sessions hints and tip videos webinars and more head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information